<laughs> in one person. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he thinks I'm joking. That's lovely. It's really good to it's good to be with you. Um, well done, worship group, and uh, well done, Helen. I mean, just superb, great job. And uh, I'm not like an inspector. I really want to come. I'm, I'm, I get nervous coming and speaking, so you know you shouldn't be nervous at introducing me. It's really good to be with you. Uh, I, I want to come and really impart a spiritual blessing. The blessing. Uh, we heard, we sang about actually quite a bit in, that song, in those songs, didn't we? We talked about God wanting to bless us. And uh, I come to you this morning wanting to bless you and to encourage you and impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. That's what Paul said when he wrote to the church in Rome. I want to come and I want to be a blessing to you and uh, leave you with a deposit. And I just want to say this because it's always helpful to say this. Uh, this, this sermon comes with a government health warning. Uh, it could seriously damage your life, uh, so it might be a good time for, to go uh, now. Uh, or if you sit, don't blame me because I'm only doing what God's asked me to do and reading his word and bringing some hopeful, helpful application. Um, before I, uh, I come to a church, it's really good to... It really is good to be with you. Andrew and I have got a, a deep friendship, and uh, we, we together we were involved in leading a church in Bournemouth, which I'm in two weeks' time stepping down from eldership from, which we saw grew amazingly over quite a few years. Loads and loads of people saved. It regularly gathers over 500 now in Bournemouth, and uh, they see regularly people saved. And uh, Andrew and I put our backs into that work and uh, seeing him come here I hope you know that you are blessed as a church that you are incredibly blessed not just to have Andrew but his beautiful wife and their kids Uh, I hope they are constantly before you in prayer you are constantly remembering them in prayer because they are an incredible gift to you and from God Um, now when I come to a church, what I try and do is I try and take some time out to seek God for you, um, particularly prophetically. Uh, I believe God speaks prophetically. Uh, you never get a pr- prophecy 100% right, but you do get impressions and you get feelings, and those feelings uh, are expressed in pictures for me. And so I just want to share this with you because then you can, as elders and leaders and members, you can talk about it, you can dismiss it and say he ate too much cheese that night or uh, maybe there's something of an element of truth in it that you want to weigh and consider how it impacts your life. And uh, I woke with a dream of a farm. And it was a farm that was uh, a beautiful farm. It's like one of those toy farms. Many of us who are a bit older can remember having a toy farm. It had beautiful buildings and fields and crops. and and It was an arable farm. It had brick walls, it had hedgerows, and it had different crops of wheat and barley and oats. And uh, it was a farm that had grown a little bit tired. And it was a picture, I believe, God said to me when I woke up of this church. And that there were some fields that were lying fallow, had lying fallow for a number of years. And things were about to change. And God showed me in this picture that there were three big fields that were fallow for a number of years that God was going to open up for you as a church that he wanted you to take a harvest in. This is a harvest 
of souls. This is a harvest of people whose lives will be transformed from touching this church. And the first field was a field of clover, of all things. And around this field of clover were hives for bees. And the bees were, were harvesting the clover and there, were, there was honey from this field. And I felt God say to me very clearly that this church is going to have a harvest amongst young people. That you're going to see loads and loads and loads of young people and teenagers coming into this church. And it isn't just to fill pews, it is about a transformation that will take place. In fact, they will bring transformation, they will bring the life of God, the very sweet honey of God's spirit into this church that will be taken from this church around, even into the nations. I felt God said to me that the second field was a field of turnips and root vegetables. One that we would easily dismiss. It smells slightly odd. We, want, we don't like that. We like big fields of barley and wheat. And God said to me, there is a harvest to be taken in autumn for the poor. That what you're doing with cap and other things is only just the beginning because there are many, many people in this town God wants to see saved from a poor background. And he wants you to take a harvest amongst those people. He wants to prepare your hearts even today to receive a harvest. And the third field was a field of linseed. And I felt there was a field of linseed in the sense of that linseed, that beautiful color fields of blue that you get with linseed, linseed produces this oil. And I believe God was saying, I want you to to know in my spirit that this, this church is going to drip with oil as well as honey. There's a harvest of the, of, of the Spirit. There's a supernatural harvest of release of people into spiritual gifts. So this church starts to move with oil and ease and anointing in the Holy Spirit. And that what you've experienced up to this point in time is only just the first fruits. And God wanting to do so much more amongst you. I'll leave that with you to weigh. I want to uh, use... Uh, an agricultural metaphor in what I share this morning as well. I want you, I want to say to the, this to you: If you were a fruit tree, what fruit tree would you be? If you were to describe yourself, even draw yourself. If you've got notepads this morning, draw yourself this morning as a fruit tree. What would you draw yourself as? Would you draw yourself as a sapling? Would you draw yourself as an aged old apple tree with limbs that are dropping off? Would you draw yourself with lots of plums on your life? Apricots? Figs? What fruit tree would you describe yourself as? We have eight different fruit trees in our garden at home. I love gardening. And I know this, that uh, to grow fruit, and we've got loads and loads of um, raspberries and canes, gooseberries, black currants, red currants, we like, I love gardening. And the skill of gardening is, of course, soil. You can buy the best plants from your plant center, but if you just put them in a bit of rubbish soil where there's no sunshine and there's no nutrients, whatever plant you've got, it will die. It will shrivel up and never produce fruit. And this morning I want to say to you, I am come here today believing God wants this church to be a fruitful church. I believe God wants every one of you to be fruitful for him. And I believe God wants you today to stop breaking with comparisons of, oh, good grief, why am I at the fig tree? 
I would like to be a plum tree or a cherry tree and be happy to be who God has made you to be and to realize that if you can root yourself into God and his purposes for your life, you will bear loads and loads of fruit that will bless many people. Do you want that? Because uh, I believe with all my heart, God does. And what we're going to do this morning is we are mostly going to be reading the Bible. Uh, So we're just going to listen to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say. So we're going to read three portions of Scripture. I don't know if you flash... Do you flash it up on the screen or you you technically... You don't, no. I go to different churches, and some of them are still on sort of chalkboards, so that's pretty good. We're going to start in reading Psalm 1, and we're going to read it together. And I'm, I'm reading from the NIV, so if you've got, and it's the new NIV, which makes it even more difficult, isn't it? On these versions, why can't they keep the same? Um, but if you've got the new NIV, we're going to read this one together. We're going to read Psalm 1, and we're going to read it together, because I tell you what, we've lost an art as a church of... Speaking scripture and talking scripture and rehearsing scripture together. We've made it all individual. And actually, there's a wonderful joy in sharing scripture. It's a protection in actually reading scripture together and talking scripture together. And it's lovely to hear people, the church, reading the Bible, hearing the word of God. We can hear the word of God together. So we're going to read Psalm 1 and we're going to read verses 1, 2 and 3. Some of you are still looking at me. If you haven't got a Bible, nick one from someone next door to you. Okay, you ready? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's what it means to be blessed by God. Got that picture in your mind? The fruit tree. The fruit tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season And God doesn't want your leaf to wither. In fact, God wants whatever you do to prosper. Do you believe that? Okay, let's turn to Jesus' very words that there's echoes of Psalm 1 in, in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me to Matthew 5. In Matthew chapter 5, I'm looking at Luke, I'm thinking, that's funny, I I thought I knew where Matthew 5 was. In Matthew 5, we're going to read the Beatitudes together, and we'll do this again in a together way. So we're going to read verses 3 to verse 12, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then finally, and you don't have to read this, I'll read this to you, we're turning to Acts chapter 4. When you think of this church, um, Alton, and what God wants to do in, in this church with you, uh, I would imagine Acts 4 would be high up there in a prayer that you might have. It's certainly a prayer I pray for you regularly as a church, a prayer I would regularly pray for all of our churches in commission. Um, Peter and John obviously have been released from prison. Uh, they've been warned not to preach. They come back. There's a believer's prayer meeting, which finishes in verse 31. After they pr- prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I'd love that for this church, wouldn't you? Every one of us filled with the Holy Spirit and every one of us speaking the word of God with boldness. And it says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy people amongst them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need." Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now you pull those uh, three wonderful texts together and you, 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 you come to this, this incredible place of God wanting to bless you. God wanting you to be fruitful. God wanting that fruitfulness to be a blessing to other people. And actually, when you read the book of Acts, you realize one of the first fruits that we see in the book of Acts, is mentioned again and again and again and again, is generosity. It is giving. And so we're going to look at what it means to be rooted into God's word. We're going to look about uh, fruitfulness that, that God's word brings about in our life. And I'm going to look at particularly bring an application to the first fruit, which is one of the most challenging fruits, ironically, in a nation of such prosperity. And that fruit is generosity. So now you're all thinking, I wish I'd left when he said we could. So let me talk first of all I, I, I believe I mean, this is what I believe about this morning I believe God wants to bring a breakthrough I believe God wants to bring these sort of breakthroughs if you've never ever given before God wants to break through in your life because you are missing out of one of the great adventures of faith for some of you you've got fields you've got pieces of land property that this morning the Holy Spirit is going to grab hold of you and say, go sell it and lay it at the leader's feet. 
Now you're looking more miserable than you've looked the whole time I've been here. Some of you have never ever given a tithe. And you've thought, now that's law and that's legalism. God's going to break in this morning and liberate you into the adventure which we call giving. That's just what I believe God's going to do. So I'm going to pray and then we're just going to apply a few of these verses and then we're going to run out of here and fill our minds with something else. Lord, we pray. Lord, we know from what is taught by you in these Beatitudes, Lord, in the whole of this Sermon on the Mount, that you said, blessed not those who hear the word, but those who hear the word and put it into practice. I pray we would not be like James says, those who look at the mirror of your word and go away and forget what we've seen. I pray this seed would find good soil and produce 30, 60, 100-fold what has been done in my life will be done in other people's lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So God wants you to be blessed. But there's two areas. Of how, do you, how, do you, how do you come into all that God wants for your life? And how do you enter into the blessedness of God? There are two important things. Firstly is this. You need humble roots. Please note, I didn't just say you need roots. You need humble roots. If you are going to enter into the abundance, the fruitfulness of life. When we examine... Psalm 1, he begins that psalm by inviting us not to do and hang out in certain company, not to root ourselves into the world, to walk with the, with the foolish, to, to live in the way of mockers, not to root ourselves in a world system, but to root ourselves rather into God's word. To root ourselves into that place where we say, no, what God says is where I will thrive and where I will flourish. One of the challenges we have sometimes as Christians is we, we, we think we, we've just got to get by in the spiritual life. We've just got to try our best and, and do hard, work harder and try a little bit harder. No, God wants us to flourish and that flourishing only comes as we root our roots of our, our, our spiritual life into the Word of God. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he talks about wise and foolish builders. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice. The disciples in Acts chapter 4 had this mindset. If you actually read carefully Acts chapter 4, you will know this. And this is a challenge for us as Christians today, knowing the Word of God. They had their senior leaders Let's say Andrew and I, we've just come out of prison. We're just out of prison this morning. We're just telling you some good news. We're telling you, wow, we're being persecuted, just like Jesus says in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are you when you are persecuted. You wanna, I want to be fruitful. Jesus says, great. Aren't you going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? Wow, I didn't quite line that up in my thinking. I thought blessedness meant it was all going to get easy. No, Jesus says it gets a lot more difficult. And Andrew and Guy come to you this morning, got a few bruises. Andrew's shirt's a bit ripped. And we're saying, hey, great news. Great news. They're really hopping mad at the council. They've told us never, ever go on the streets again. Never ever preach in Jesus' name again. I tell you what, church, we're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to go out there, all of us, and we're going, to, we're going to shake this world. And what they do is very interesting, you see. They didn't just pray. 
This is the longest prayer, Acts chapter 4, in the New Testament. They didn't just pray. They didn't just have the place shaken. They prayed Scripture. They prayed Psalm 2. They took what was happening with Herod and Pontius Pilate and they applied it immediately into the, into the context of Psalm 2. They knew Scripture. They knew this was normal. They weren't surprised. Wow, what's happening here? No, they, they prayed Scripture. And they said, no, this is exactly what Psalm 2 talks about. But the Psalm 2 finishes with, I've set my king on Zion's hill. There's a throne in heaven. We know that the nations conspire and do all this stuff. But God's sovereign will, his hand is upon his people and he blesses them and sustains them. And therefore, we can be confident whatever's going on out there, financial disorder, Brexit, whatever's going on, Jesus is on the throne and we are the apple of his eye and he wants us to flourish. Whatever's going on, he wants our plant life, our spiritual life, our church life to flourish. That's something to get excited about. You see, prayer is much, much more than petition. You meet some Christians and they think it's a shopping list. Now, it is a shopping list because I I think God loves to hear our prayers. God bless that person and God give me some bread for the weekend and give me this. I I, I don't think God despises that, but prayer is more than that. Prayer is praying Scripture. Prayer is praying that the sovereign will of God be overlaid and overprinted over our lives. So we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. We align ourselves. And that's what it means, brothers and sisters, to be rooted into the Scriptures, rooted into the Bible. I meet Christians who say things like this. No, I don't like doing that. I don't think God will want me to do that. I don't think God wants me miserable. I don't think God wants to make it hard. Well, you, you, I don't think God minds if I go out with a non-Christian. I don't think God minds if I don't give, to be honest. I don't think God minds if I don't come to church on Sundays. I don't think God... And, the, and they're asserting, they're, they're, they're asserting that there is a, a truth that they are following and living that is greater than the truth of God's Word. they putting their roots into a world system and a world belief rather than into the very living words of God. You cannot thrive as a Christian in that soil. You will die. The soil that bears fruit, and it's very interesting because you read the Beatitudes, and it is contrary, isn't it? The spirit of the age. You don't get people on BBC saying, hey, there's a great funeral service today, and everyone in it was happy. Blessed and mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Purity isn't something we honor as a nation. No, we we want all the muck. We want to walk in the counts of the wicked. We want to be mocking. Sitting in the seats of mockers. That's where I want to be. Mock the weak. We've even got a program to do it. We want to make fun of politicians. We want to run down people. We want to dish the dirt. No, no, no. We're the people of God. We root ourselves in Scripture. We root ourselves in the character of God. We root ourselves in purity and holiness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't come before God saying, I know what's best for my life, God, listen up. No, no, we are, we are amazed that God would rescue us, a beggar on the streets, and bring us into the halls of the King, into the palace of the Almighty, and say, you are my son, you are my daughter. We've got nothing to boast about apart from what he has done. 
And therefore, we're poor in spirit. There aren't any show-offs in the kingdom of heaven. I can't show off this morning that I lead a movement of churches because it's grace. That grace can come, that grace can go. You have to just walk humbly, humble roots, humble roots into the character of God and the word of God. What are your roots? Where are your roots this morning? Let me also talk about flourishing in terms of bearing fruit. You see, it's interesting, there's a book, there's a book written on the, on the Beatitudes uh, by a guy called Jonathan Pennington. And he's saying that evangelicals for many, many years have ignored the Sermon on the Mount. They've ignored the Sermon on the Mount because either you go into legalism and you say, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Therefore, what were you doing looking at? Did you look... Did you look and, and when we get into this sort of outward legalistic conformity, which, which kills, or we get into over-grace where we say, well, actually, we're under grace now. Praise God. Praise God we don't have to listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Or we get into dispensationalism and say, well, that was in Jesus' day for his disciples. Praise God, not for us. But he would argue that the word... The reason we've misunderstood the Beatitudes is because we've misunderstood the word blessed. That blessed is, more, is much, much more than happy. Happier the morning. Happier those who are pure in heart. No, he says the word means to flourish. The psalm, Jesus is alluding to the psalmist. He's alluding to that fruitfulness. He's saying our lives are taken. What, was, what do our lives look like if we are rooted in God's garden, invited into God's garden, where God's rule and reign happens, and we live under that cloudless sky what would it look like for us to grow in that world and to flourish in that world and what would the world look like when we were doing that that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5 that's what it means to he wants us to flourish to thrive he doesn't want Christians oh, I'm just getting by God being a Christian isn't it? no he wants us to flourish Whatever the circumstance, whatever the enemy throws at us, whatever soil we find ourselves, there is the promises from God that we can flourish. And the promises also that we can bear fruit. I love the fact someone says, yielding its fruit in season. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7.20 says, It's by your fruit you will know them. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. So when you think about fruit, I want to apply this in terms of one fruit. When you think about fruit, it's interesting that the Bible talks a lot about first fruits in the Old Testament, bringing in your first fruits. Do you remember what happened when Abraham got all that wealth and he met Melchizedek? Do you know what he did without with the law without the law ever being given? He took 10%. The first thing he did was give Abraham. God instructing the Israelites as they enter into God's promised land and into all of, of a flourishing world God wanted them to do. He encourages them to generosity, to bring first fruits. And it's no coincidence, brothers and sisters, when we read of the Pentecost and the new church and see the church birth, we find there... Acts chapter 4, there were no needy people amongst them. 
God did this incredible miracle. He unlocked all of their resources so that they reached out and met every need. Giving. Generosity. I tell you, you get this fruit, right? All the other fruits flow, follow. Rooting ourselves in God's work and God's word means we will flourish in the area of generosity. Now, there's the, there's the challenge. Are you flourishing in generosity? Don't, don't excuse yourself this morning. Don't excuse, I've got very much money. Or I'm a millionaire. Don't excuse yourself in any of those categories because God wants all of us to flourish. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I am to you this morning. And I want to just bring these few challenges as we close. For the believer, if we're to root ourselves into God, first things first. God's word is primary first. God wants himself to be first in all things. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven. God must be first in all aspects of life. Our priority, our greatest desire, and there is a battle on for that to happen. Did you notice that Jesus in the same sermon says you cannot serve God and money? That's a weird thing to say. He just taught us that we're going to be blessed and rooting and blessed are those who do this and you will bear fruit. And then he's saying, and by the way, you cannot, he didn't say you can try your best, he says you cannot do this. The spiritual force that is over money, which is a neutral thing, mammon he called it, the spiritual force there, you can't serve both because you end up as a split personality and you end up miserable and you end up hating and despising God. The God who gave your life, who gave your gifts, who gave your money, who gave you everything, you end up despising him if you try and serve money, mammon. So first things first, God must be first. And why he must be first, because I, if I'm going to win this argument in your heart this morning, if the Holy Spirit's going to sow this seed in your heart, you must first be convinced God wants your best more than anybody else, even yourself. God wants to bless your life more than you even want to bless yourself. But he wants to bless you in a way that you haven't actually thought of. He wants you to have a spiritual harvest, not just a material harvest in this life. Mammon is huge in our nation. Let me just give you a little, three statistics that will just give you some reality here. 1% of the world owns 50% of the world's wealth. 1% of the world's population owns half of the world's wealth. First statistic. Second statistic, if you own assets of over £720,000, savings, property, car, you are in the top 1% of the world's riches. So many people in this room, a good proportion, are in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. I am. Now, here's the challenge. Why do I want more? 
Why do I want more? Why am I endlessly thinking, if I only had a newer car, if I only had a, a new kitchen, if I had a new bathroom, if I had another holiday, if I There's a reality check here, brothers and sisters, because to you who's been given much, much is expected. Here's another interesting statistic, third statistic. We throw away as a nation one-third of all the food we buy. We throw it away. It goes as waste. We're wasteful. We're wealthy beyond any understanding to half the world at least, if not more than that. And yet we are never satisfied and we are wasteful. So that's challenging, isn't it? So God blesses us. This is how I'm going to finish with money as both a test and a trust this morning. In the Old Testament, we find principles of first fruits, Exodus 23, 19, bringing your first fruits, a harvest. We hear the principle of tithing, which is taught throughout the Bible. And in Malachi, we find God throwing down a challenge to his people, test me in this, bring in the whole tithe, and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. Rather than thinking this morning of what it might cost you, think about God throwing open the floodgates of heaven over your life and over this church. I believe he wants to do that. I believe he wants to do that. I believe he wants to save hundreds and hundreds of people in these coming years in this church. He wants to open the floodgates of heaven financially over your life, but so much more spiritually. He says, test me in this. Bring in your time. And in case you're in danger of saying, hang on, guy, hang on, this sounds a bit like law to me. Matthew 5, 17, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. I'll tell you, not one jot, not one tittle will will be taken away, Jesus says. So how do we live? We don't live under law, God. No, we live under grace. We live under the age of the Spirit. Praise God. And the age of the Spirit says, we can take the law and we can do the law. We can go beyond the law because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Christian doesn't have to go, oh, I've got 10% to give. No, you can give 20%. 30%. I know so many Christians who give 30, 40, 50%. They give away. There was a guy at West Point last year. He went with his wife, church from Winchester. He wrote this testimony this week. I went there. We decided we're going to give £100 to the offering at West Point. They listened to Terry Virgo. The Holy Spirit convicted them and said, we're going to give £1,000 to the offering at West Point. They went and pledged £1,000 that evening. Overnight, the Holy Spirit said, you're not really, te- you're not really testing me. You're not really putting faith that following morning, they put £10,000, they placed £10,000 into the offering. They're a couple on a low salary. This is just a, an encouragement to all, all of us. They trusted God. They said, actually, I want to live on the edge of giving. I want to live all out for God. And God, they, this testimony came back this week, just this week, saying, God has given them all that money back and a whole load more. He opened the floodgates of heaven over their life and poured out such blessing they can hardly contain it. But they began with them saying, God saying, test me in this. And tithing, finally, and giving is also a trust. In case you're thinking it's yours, can I just say it's not? Imagine just for a second that Nathan is, is heading, heading back over for three months to America to do a recce for church planting. He's leaving jewels behind, but he's not leaving jewels behind because he's asked Andrew, he's asked me, he's asked um, Helen to give her some money every month. But don't worry, he's going to send us a thousand pound check every month, each one of us, 
and we're to give £100 every month to Jules. Imagine after two months, he rings up and says, how's it going? He says, Andrew, Andrew's giving £200 a month for some reason. I don't know why that is. Uh, Ellen's, yeah, she's, she's, given, uh, she's given me the 100 and Guy's given me £20. What do you think Nathan's going to say when he comes back after three months when he's been sending me £1,000? And I goes, I couldn't really afford it, mate. Couldn't really afford it. He said, I trusted you with this wealth. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. I trusted you. Why are you holding it back? It's only, we're holding back what belongs to God. It's returning what has been given. Jesus says it like this, and this is how I'm going to finish. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches, the riches of heaven? Luke 16, verse 11. God, this morning, wants to break open. Remember those gates we had prophesied right at the beginning? Sean talked about gates. God watching over the gates. God's going to watch over what comes in and goes out. He's faithful. He will bring in everything you need. He promises you you'll have a roof over your head. He promises you clothing and food. But he also wants things to come out of our life. He wants us to be the most generous people on earth. He doesn't want us to be hoarding. He doesn't want us to be selfishly holding back what is already his. He wants us to be released into flourishing in this area of giving as he wants us released in flourishing in all areas of our spiritual life. So let me ask you this question. Are you flourishing or are, you, are your doors shut? Let me finish with a quote. Steve Job, Jobs um, from Apple, the very last words he wrote, I read it yesterday. He says this, Stop pursuing wealth. It can only make a person into a twisted being like me. His very last words. We want to be the happiest people on earth. Freely we've received. We want to be those who freely give. So I'm going to pray for you. I'd like you to stand have worship group come back out. We'll just do a song in finishing. But I want, I want to pray for you this morning that it would be a break open word for generosity in your own life, in this church's life, that would bear fruit right across Alton and beyond. Lord, I thank you for this precious church. Lord, I pray this seed would find soil that is ready and ripe. I pray this morning where strongholds exist, Lord, strongholds of mammon, strongholds of control, strongholds of fear of finances, what will happen, what will ha- I haven't got much. Lord, I break fear in the name of Jesus and I pray in its place faith would come to take your word, to root our lives into your word and to say, Lord, I want above all else to be fruitful in my spiritual journey with you and I know you want that for every one of us and I know you want it for this church. And so I pray this morning, break any strongholds off people people, strongholds of mammon, strongholds of fear, and let in its place Holy Spirit, joyful generosity, bubble up 
that, Lord, we cannot contain it. And Andrew's phoning me at the end of the week saying, I'll tell you what, we went for 50, it was 60, it was 70. I had almost had to get them to stop. I pray, clear the debt of this building, Lord, and let this church flourish. I pray if there's a Barnabas in the room who's going to be released for apostolic work and this morning has a field he needs to sell, God, I pray, let your spirit convict him or her and let that be released in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for miracle after miracle in the area of money for every believer this morning who is lining up himself herself to your word. Lord, let them be flourishing. Let them be blessed. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to, or over to Andrew. Just before we uh, do that, uh, you need to know Guy and I haven't talked. Because <laughs> no. Guy doesn't know that we've been talking about being generous as a church. And that's one of our four things we're looking at this year. Mm. And he didn't even know we had a gift week on. Okay, so, you know, just, you, otherwise you may think this is a bit of a stitch-up. It's not. This is God grabbing hold of our attention. And I just think we need to receive what guys brought before we go into a song of worship. What I'd like us to do, you may think it's very odd, trust me on it, please, is I'd like us to thank Guy for what he's doing. And in, in thanking him, what we're doing is we're saying, yeah, we're taking this as from God, we're receiving it into our hearts, and we're going to let God uh, make it grow and flourish in our spirits. Yeah. So I would like us to thank Guy by applauding him for what he's brought to us, and uh, as I say, in so doing, receive it into our hearts. Is that okay? So Guy, we want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.